Hello, 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 and welcome to this episode five of the Second Watch Podcast. If this is your first time of listening, thank you very much for tuning in. Um, I hope you enjoy it. You can go back on iTunes and uh, listen to all the previous episodes if you so desire. The first episode was, was just me, and since then I've been very fortunate to have a number of guests with me on the podcast. And this episode is no exception. So, without further ado, I'd like to end the suspense. Well, not really that much of a suspense, I know, but I'd like to drop a little teaser a week or so before the new podcast launches or, or, or appears in your feeds, just to really give you an insight and a little flavour for what's coming up in the current podcast the teaser for this podcast was very very short and it was really just to to see if you could identify the mystery voice at the end of the very short teaser well it's time for that mask to be lifted the curtain to be pulled back and that mystery to be unveiled this podcast has a very very special guest i, I, I really Without further ado, I'm not even going to try and think of something witty um, about a guest on this podcast. It is Hans van Buren. So, hi everybody. It's Oscar Beauty, a crazy Swatch collector from the Netherlands. Outside it's not really summer, and there are occasional showers. When Steve asked me to do a podcast for you, I didn't hesitate for a moment. This will be a lot of fun. So for those of you that don't know, Hans is a very, very much respected and very, very well-known collector within the Swatch community and by Swatch itself, and is someone that really is a, a font, a font of all knowledge at what Hans doesn't know about Swatches isn't really worth knowing. He he is a, a, a master at repairing damaged and broken Swatches and some of the adaptations, shall we say, of classic watches that, that Hans manages to create, I think, are, are fantastic. And, uh, yeah, it, it really is so, so great to have you on the on the podcast this week, Hans. I met Hans at uh, one of our Golden Pioneer events, and, and, and I genuinely, I can't remember which one it was. It, it was quite a while back, but uh, we would, well, c- can you remember anything about it, Hans? We were having loads of fun discussing girls' behaviour <laughs> and beer. Uh, what happens on tour? Um, well, <laughs> I mean, talking about Swatch and the economy, of course. That's more like it. We got to be great Swatch friends and found out we Absolutely. have more than one thing in common. Mm-hmm. To be honest, though, he knows much more about beer. I, I, I can't disagree with that. I do know rather a lot about beer and, uh, well, at several Golden Pioneer events, I've even hosted a mini beer festival or beer tasting challenge where people can bring beers of their locale and interesting beers that that people may or may not have had the opportunity to try and I do tutor tastings at, at the events um, and also uh, 
we drink rather a lot of beer sometimes as well. Normally in the early hours of the morning, reflecting on the day's activities and uh, contemplating what happens the next day as well. Uh, it makes it makes the the international event sound like a a, a drunken party, but it, they're they're really not. It's just that I I can't think of a better way of spending time than with uh, good friends and good beer and good conversation it they really are just the best times to have with the best of friends so now that we've given the secret away about some of our late night escapades and sitting up into the wee hours chatting and putting the world to rights with uh, uh, some some libation it doesn't necessarily or isn't always beer we're not necessarily that fussy when it's like two o'clock in the morning and we're just literally just have been chatting for hours and hours and hours. See, people think that the Swatch events are, are uh, where we all sit down and look at our watches and go, oh, that's a lovely watch. Oh, yes, I really like that. Yeah, th- there is an element of that, but it's so, so much more. Uh, the first, when, when we arrive at the hotel, yeah, sure, we've all got watches and gifts for people. And there, there's a bit of, it's like a, a a marketplace, a swatch marketplace that happens uh, where where people are bringing watches that they've got for them. Or they've got little gifts that they said, oh, I saw this and, and thought of you. It, it, I, I, as, as I said, it, it's so hard to explain just how incredible these events are and and the sense of family that sits within them. Um, It it really is um, just very, very special. So, so Hans, uh, as we said, we've, we've met, we met at uh, Golden Pioneer events, um, but really, you know, I suppose the question for, for someone like yourself that, that really is, so well known or so well versed in all things Swatch, far, far, far better than me. When did you really get into um, Swatch? I was a late starter in watches okay. in general okay. and no less in Swatch. When I was a kid, there was no such things as a Swatch. That's true. Most watches were mechanical hand, hand wine pieces, mm-hmm. quite expensive at that. Yeah. I never felt like getting a watch anyway. Huh. The time could be seen everywhere. So why would I burden my wrist with a watch? <laughs> I still don't care much about knowing the time. I can feel time. I do not set an alarm for getting up in the morning. I get up when I wake up, and that's always the right time. <laughs> it must have been around 1976 when I got myself an LED watch. <laughs> I liked its black all-over appearance. Okay. I still do, and the fun of pushing the buttons and see the time light up in bright red. Push again, and there come the seconds. Yeah. Awesome. On close inspection, you could see the diode stacked up on top of, top of each other. <laughs> I looked at it so often that I drained the battery in mere weeks. <laughs> I took it apart and broke it, of course. <laughs> I did not buy a watch anytime soon after that. <laughs> I, I remember I had one of those little red LED watches as well. They, they were great fun. They were great fun. <laughs> I, I, I expect nothing less, obviously for you to take it apart and to see how it works. After all, that is uh, one of your sidelines that you do in in Swatch, Uh, as in helping members or or friends and family that have damaged their Swatches that, that need repairing. So after you 
took your LED watch apart, um, did you then rush out and buy another one? Or So I didn't you know, wear a watch again next? until 1988, okay. when everything in life became transparent. <laughs> and I bought a fully transparent watch. Nice, nice. Later I found out that this one was a so-called Dutch gem, yeah. a heartbreak that was produced without its metal cap to cater for the enormous demand for the Swatch jellyfish. Cool. I literally wore it to pieces. <laughs> this watch became my friend, really. Nice. In 1988, I had no clue about the 200 original jellies given away at the launch of Swatch, <laughs> nor about the pre-launch of the brand between August 1982 and March 1983 in the US, a period that I now heavily collect. <laughs> this is really rare stuff. Yeah, yeah, it it is, and and I think it's the it's the stuff that that people really do want in their collection very much. So, so uh, Swatch, the only thing that that you've collected hands. I mean, I, I myself collect, well, have a collection of Prince music records and memorabilia. But for for yourself, has it always just been Swatch through and through, or have you collected other things as well over the years? With no less than nine brothers and sisters nine. in the same home, the idea of owning something all by yourself is a bit flexible. Mm -hmm. When the ball with meatballs passes by, take your pick first time round or you won't get anything. <laughs> and my mother cooked the best applesauce in the world. <laughs> the many people that stayed for dinner learned that very, very quickly. Cool. <laughs> this must have triggered a desire to own beautiful things. Later, I'd be did become a small collector. Okay. I've collected collecting in the jeans okay. and I have some big collectors in the family. All right, okay. I collected stamps, coins, phone cards, banknotes oh. and whatnot. Mm. Similar. With Swatch, things got out of hand. <laughs> this is something entirely different. The hunt is always on. It certainly is. The hunt is always on. And and I think uh, it, it's an insatiable beast, the Swatch collector that, that lives within us all. <laughs> So I think it's time that, that actually we, we share a little secret, which isn't really that much of a secret if you are an experienced collector. But for those of you that, that don't know, I I was very much influenced by a book in my early collecting years, as I'm sure many, many collectors were. Um, the Swatchclopedia, um, just an absolutely legendary book. Um <laughs> and really was the, the guidebook to have for all swatches. I remember getting one and, and getting Hank to, to sign it because to me, he was Mr. Swatch. I knew that he was involved, but I hadn't actually realized who else was really, really involved and who else was uh, behind all of all of this and and hands. Oh, obviously, you were very, very instrumental in the Swatchclopedia in it being created. So I, I think on behalf of... All of the collectors, I'd like to thank you for that. But I mean, really, it's such a fantastic book, and and the pictures in it were great. But what what can you, you know, from your perspective, what can you tell us about the Swatchclopedia? I guess most of your listeners uh, have one themselves, yeah, and might wonder, well, why did the last one come out in two thousand and eight, and why didn't we see a new one after all this time? It's, yeah, there's really a problem in the ownership and having the photos and the database. Yeah. Um, Squiggly, the big website, uh, who yeah. was a, the bigger sponsor of the book, who actually sure. issued the book and owns the rights, um, mm -hmm. is not doing it 
anymore. Mm. In fact, Squiggly is going to close by the end of this year. Um, Such a shame. And there's going to be the question, what's going to happen with the rights of the book? Absolutely. I will be interested in making a new book, but I will okay. need help. I will sure, need help sure. with pictures, uh, with buyers, mm. and lots of things. So mm. if you're in a situation where you can help by making pictures of the rarer swatches, um, of adding new stories and information, that would greatly yeah, so, help. So I, I think I think that's a, a really good call to arms. And uh, I'm quite pleased to uh, uh, really beat the drum for, for getting people involved in this Watchclopedia. Uh, and I know that there is a, an online version out there but but i think really actually having the, the hard copy books are just fantastic and and they are just so good to carry around um i've whiled away many an airport delay looking through those books and thinking oh, i'd love to have that watch oh i would so like to have that watch um so if you're listening to this podcast then please um email on secondwatchpod, that's all one word, at gmail.com, and I will be happy to pass on your contact information over to Hans. I mean, there are a few collectors that I can think of, Jim over in the States, Fred for your Max's, and, and obviously Hank, and, you, you know, there are so many Packer, so many great collectors that, that I'm sure would be happy to to be a part of it. I, I mean, I... I've got a couple of watches that that would probably be nice to have in there, but to be honest, I'm I'm not a collector of some of the really really super rare watches, and I know there have been so so many released, um, especially over the B2Bs and the variants that sit within those, and there are far 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 better experts on that. For example, Andreas, and you know to to get a shot of a lot a lot seven then we're going to have to rely on some of our friends to um, to get involved in that. So once again, a, a, a player, if if you would like to get involved in the Swatchclopedia, in uh, the relaunching of it, I'll, I'll be doing my, my bit, definitely, whether or not, if, you know, I'll be happy to help out where I can. Um, and uh, yeah, as I said, email in. So I think... People will now appreciate just the 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 gravitas and the knowledge that you have around swatches, Hans. I think it it really is very very impressive, and and you keep that knowledge very very much up to date. But uh, you know the, the the question for someone that that actually has so many uh, watches, so many memories. Uh, what what's your favourite one? In a podcast like this, um, mm-hmm. there should be something about my favorite swatch, right? Absolutely. You can't just go telling about swatches and not letting people know what actually you like best. Please, please. Well, that favorite swatch is something that's changing through the years, but also changing on a daily basis. Okay. I'm not capable of choosing this <laughs> one. There are too many, <laughs> ma- many, many great pieces that I would like to name. Why am I not surprised? And when one's the best today, another one will be more desirable tomorrow, even although I already have it. (laughs) Of course, some of them are clear winners, like Kiki Picasso, the Mimo Paladino, the original Jelly, Andrew Logan, Fingernails, Rotor, and a DFN1. Perfect. These last two, 
I wear often, and it's a privilege to wear such rare and wonderful pieces. I know there are many other collectors who are envious of this, no. um, because they're hard to get, yeah. and I have to be honest, a bit expensive too. Mm -hmm. But I don't wear most of my pieces. The collector's pieces are usually uh, in the dark, without a battery inside, yeah. uh, preserved for future generations. Um, and with these two, and I actually have them double, uh, I chose to wear them. And it's a great, great honor. I know. So there's no single favorite, though. <laughs> and I'm afraid I could go on quite some time mentioning these great pieces. I know. And, and, and as, as, you, as you know, the, the rotor is, is the watch that, that, that I would like. And I know that you wear it. And, and I have touched and held the, the watch and actually put it on my wrist. And it is just such a lovely piece to... To, to wear and and, and I, you know I, I think after all they are designed to be wear and I think it's fantastic that you do wear these really well rare watches uh, after all that's what they were designed to do um, I think that it's great to see them being worn and to be honest most people wouldn't actually know a rotor swatch anyway but for those that do it's such a joy to see you wearing those watches i'm I'm not jealous at, at all and, and i 100 mean that i think it, it's great i yes i would love to have it but i think it's absolutely right that, that you wear it and and you know we've, we've been talking about your favorites and that there are so many which is uh, going to be good for me for sorting out all the images to to upload onto the podcast um but but what do you think about the the new watches the latest watch issues have been just like life itself. Most of the time, uh -huh. extremely good. And sometimes, well, I a little agree. less. You gotta be honest. <laughs> For instance, the latest Houdinki is wonderful. Okay. No, even better, uh, yeah. all Houdinkis are. Yeah. Some recent art specials are not quite my cup of tea, especially mm. the Mickey Mouse watches uh -huh. by Damien Hurst. Okay. One of the prototypes I love most is the 80s Mickey Mouse. It's just wonderful. Yeah and very, very different from the Hearst one. I yeah, watched the circus yeah. unfold after it was issues, issued with lots of people buying them just to make a profit. Some dealers yeah. got loads oh, of no. them and got really rich. The Maxis were sold for shame. out of proportion prices up to five or mm -hmm. 6,000 euro. I don't like this. Ridiculous. Things shouldn't be that way. I agree. It, it's hard when you're a collector and you see people making uh, a fast buck. It's um, it's incredibly frustrating. Incredibly frustrating. The the Damien Hirth watch was uh, a watch that that is being sought after very much and is a it, it's a great watch and the packaging on it is, is brilliant. Uh, and we're talking about the the spot, not the mirror, by the way. Um, it, but you know, if you didn't get it when it came out, it's very, very quickly pushed out of the price range of, of many, many collectors. So I've talked a lot about watches and watches that you have, watches that are your favourites. Um, but what's really your your favourite memory of uh, collecting watches over the years? Well, it may be hard to believe for you now, especially you youngsters. Mm -hmm. um, there was no use of internet in those days. <laughs> I remember. Of course, the internet had been around for some time uh, for scientists 
and for students to talk to each other over the internet. Absolutely. But all in all, the web as we know it today, it just wasn't there. And was swatch free. Getting special swatches was very, very hard. Yeah. I learned fast, but you just had to know where yeah. new swatches would appear. You had to become yeah. friends with some of the dealers, the shops that were selling swatches. Exactly, exactly. Um, and the news, well, there hardly was any news. <laughs> some things you learned from swatch, the other things, well, you just didn't know. Yeah. Life mm. without the internet was very, very different from now. It was, it was. It was a network. A network of collectors that communicated and, and talked to each other. I mean, that that's how I used to find out about watches. It was very much uh, word of mouth, uh, became friends with uh, Shane, the guy that used to run the swatch store in Oxford Street. He had a little black book of numbers for collectors and and he'd put stuff by for me and he'd get a phone call out of the blue going, you'd never guess what, Steve, this has just arrived in. This is so up your street. And you'd, well, well I would jump on the train and quickly rush down there and have a look and come back with another another piece to my collection, knowing full well that the, it's quite hard to, to get hold of. Um so yeah, it really was a, a very, very different time. Very, very different time. And of course, here's a little story about those old days. In 1995, mm -hmm. okay. I went online, and let me tell you, just like I said before, it really wasn't much. There wasn't much to be found. <laughs> True. Although, when you looked for very hard, you could find something. Okay. Well, okay. I'm an IT guy myself, have been all my life. And I predicted mm -hmm. the internet was not going to mean much in the future. Well, so much for my <laughs> skills as a visionary. In those days, Swatch had a website and it featured a very noisy forum with lots and lots of nonsense. People just posting yes. everything they liked, not about Swatch or anything. Uh, this yep, wasn't the I place remember. to go. I but remember. if you look better, you would find a website in the US and it was called Tracy's Swatch Buckler's Paradise, a dedicated <laughs> site to Swatch with a very active forum, full of messages by enthusiastic peoples, people, most of them I didn't know yet, uh, with cool. lots of reports, cool. pictures, pictures of events I also didn't know about. Nice. It was a great time going there uh, often. <laughs> In the pictures, I would see lots of people, among which uh, Tracy herself, who many people called <laughs> the goddess of Swatch. And indeed, I must say, she turned out to be a shining beauty and it seemed fantastic to one's meter. And yeah. I mean that literally. So fantastic equals unrealistic. So what you're saying really, Hans, is that in the early years of your collecting, you kind of collected swatches in the dark. Many years went by. I kept collecting, uh -huh. but the bigger swatch club, it, things I didn't know really much about. In oh, 2010, okay. I finally got to be a swatch club, club gold member after trying oh. many, many years. So that's when since we I had been active in producing the Swatchcopedia okay. uh, catalog since 2006, I always wonder if that was the reason I didn't become mm -hmm. a gold member earlier. The, the, yeah, uh, the Hayek family doesn't really like people earning money from their products. And I can see mm. why that is so. Mm. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Already, my collection was quite substantial by then. And I remember the pictures I sent in for the contest. Um, there were some pretty, pretty rare swatches in them. Anyway, <laughs> I went to become cold and I got my free event at the Gold and Pioneer event in Saasvee. Oh, what a great I event. now know when you go to such event and it starts, you have to visit the registration desk um, to get your badge, to be, uh, 
to make sure they know you're there. Um, but well, I didn't know Absolutely. nothing. I had no clue. Get your language. So the event was upstairs. I went okay. up the stairs and lo and behold, there she was, the goddess of swords herself. It was <laughs> surreal. We talked and oh. talked and when it was time for dinner, we had dinner together. I felt Amazing. right at home at Swatch Club and it was a great, great event. It was fun to meet many people sure I was. only knew online. It was only when people asked about my badge, yeah, yeah. Leons, where's your badge? That I found out I had totally missed the registration desk. It took me some time to find my, <laughs> my badge. So the first year at Swatch Club, um, you can become a gold member, you get an event for free, and after that you become yeah. a pioneer member for as long as you stay with the club. Yeah, yeah. If you are neither of those at this moment, do give it yeah. a try. Uh, it will be a bless if you can become part of this <laughs> great club of people. A whole new world will open up to you. Absolutely. Go get it. Yeah, I couldn't couldn't agree more. I mean, as as has been mentioned several times on on these casts, is that if you're interested in collecting, then you know it's worth it's worth uh, signing up and becoming a member of the club. I mean, if you've bought the club watch, you've got your membership there and there. So it's definitely worth doing. And it's, uh, well, it is hard to imagine how people did collect in, in, in those times. And, you know, and it is a great experience for you to actually meet Tracy face to face. Yeah, I, I, and, and Tracy is uh, still ver very much a, a appreciated uh, w within the within the Swatch community and, and it's hard for people to to consider, you know, really what what's um, going on now and how you can get information so easily. But still a lot of the information that's out there is after the event and, and I think the actual way that events and releases are communicated now is still very much smoke and mirrors. Um, I'm thinking about the new babes and things like that, but you know you have to rely on word of mouth from other people, and and then obviously you know through social media and, and things like that, that and the expansion of the internet, there are some great great watch websites out there, swatch websites out there, where you can find lots and lots of information, and I'm sure that if you look through um, Facebook or Insta, you'll see there are lots of groups out there, swatch appreciations and lots of people sharing ideas and memories, you know, Swatch Worldwide Enthusiastic Club, uh, which I'm a member, and obviously a plug for this podcast goes out on there, um, and there are also other clubs that, that sit in there, I, I currently ad administrate a, a couple of, well, a few of those clubs, one of which being the um, a, a secret group, uh, which is uh, uh, for Golden Pioneer members only, which is not really that secret, but it is, it's it's a group that that unfortunately you have to be a Golden Pioneer member to get into. Um, so yeah, so definitely the explosion of the internet has made that made that collecting a, a lot easier, a lot easier. Now my challenge is to try and get Tracy. Um, to be a guest on the podcast. So Tracy, if you're listening, please drop me an email, message me on Facebook. It would be fantastic to have you as a guest on, on one of my podcasts. 
but really, Hans, how do you actually get get your hands on some of these uh, amazing pieces, some of these watches that that you actually, you, you know, we see photos of and you think, wow, how did you get that? I told you before, I'm a writer of the Swatch Lopita catalogue, now extinct. I know. I also have this website, plasticrepair.com, where I repair swatches, do valuations, and write COAs. On eBay, I run a self-written scraper program that finds interesting (laughs) auctions for me, without me having to go through all of them. A bit sniper does the rest. I check the local online marketplaces, and you'll find me on Facebook. Quite anonymous, because Facebook does not honor your privacy and sell your data. Absolutely. Does it all take a lot of time? Yeah, sure. But it's okay. It's a hobby. It's a good hobby. Is my house full? Yes, it is. <laughs> and our family of five plus one cat has to live in it as well. A luxury problem, obviously. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And 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 obviously you've got that IT element sussed perfectly. I I I wish I had. Um, but you, you know I I. What 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 a what a problem to have is that your house is overflowing with swatches. Um, yeah, it, it's something that that there aren't many people that that can say that. So um, it's really really interesting to know how you actually managed to source some of those watches, though, Hans. So thanks for sharing that. And having shared those pearls of wisdom, do you think there's a specific formula as to what makes some swatches collectible and, and others not collectible, or or you, you know, I think for me, some of the big name artists are, are a given, but is there anything else from your perspective that you think that that applies to? Now, what makes a swatch so collectible? Mm. Is it the art? Is it the technology? Is it the collector's family? <laughs> is it the eternal rejuvenation of the brand? Yeah. Is it the artist you get to meet? Mm. Usually such very, very nice people. Agree. Agree. Is it the rarity of some pieces? Or the value they get? Is it the magic? Is it the bright but weird people? Mm. Well, no, I guess not. It's all of those. Yeah, I suppose that's a fair point. There isn't really just a one element that makes a, a watch collectible in itself. Uh, often you see great artists and great designers that um, make watches and you look at the watch and you go, yeah, actually, you know, that doesn't do it for me. And other um, artists that are coming through the ranks go, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm really into that. So for me, I I think uh, you just have to go with with your gut feeling. What appeals to you is is what you should collect. And uh, and, and it's as simple as that, really. Uh, You may strike it lucky and and get some really hard-to-collect pieces. Um, Some Sorry, some hard-to-get pieces that become very collectible. Or your collection just may be an interesting collection to you. And I think that's really the main thing is that collecting is something that should appeal to you. And if other people share that same perspective, then then that's great. That you know, that's just an added bonus. So having said all of that about all the watches that, that you have, what, what watches do you really want that you don't own, Hans? Are there any swatches you've been looking for for a very long time and that you really need to find, I hear you ask? Well, there are several. (laughs) But here's two I will share with you now. Okay, cool. I have been searching for them since 1996. Okay. Time flies when you're having fun. (laughs) At the 1996 Centennial Olympic Games Mm -hmm. in Atlanta, uh, swatches were issued for fans and athletes of their country's Olympic teams. Okay. It's quite a series to collect. 
especially the, the, the ones intended for and given away to athletes, the so, okay. uh, so-called gold ones, okay. because of their gold straps. Hmm. Each country has their own country abbreviation and their flag on it. Some are easy, some are hard, and a very few are impossible to find. Yeah. My problem. I have come a very, very long way collecting these series. Okay. But I still need three pieces. <laughs> three pieces. Just three. First of them is the Republic of South Africa okay. with the code RSA. The second one is Greece okay. uh, with the code GRE. And the final one is Bra- Brazil, coded BRA. Wow, okay. If you know where to find those, <laughs> uh, let me know and you will be greatly <laughs> rewarded. Again, j- j- just, uh, just email us in on a second watch party if generally if you if you have any of those watches so they're the watches that that you're after um and and obviously they're they're still bringing out some very very interesting limited watches uh care to comment around those at all for us hans these days we are in anticipation of the new swatch cross bathing ape ones storefronts are being set up decorated and very little news is spread there is an online countdown for season two. It's all a bit like 2019, last year, last year when the first Babe series was issued. Got the six different True. ones for shop price with a lot of help from my great Swatch friends. That's what it's all about, right? <laughs> Helping each other. Absolutely. I heard of Absolutely. a limited lacquered box with all six different ones in a limited edition of 83 pieces. I knew right there and then how to get it. But how? <laughs> the launch was in the Far East and the set seemed to all be going there. After searching long and hard, I located one in Taiwan. I bought it and had it shipped to me. The seller packed it very, very well. But sadly, not well enough. And it arrived in a sorry condition. It was heartbreaking. And I was inconsolable. So I contacted two of my favorite girls from Swatch Club, Alexandra and Victoria. (laughs) And what I had found to be impossible happened anyway. They made it all right. A brand new what? box with the correct number plate was ordered from manufacturing wow. and delivered to my home, all courtesy of Swatch. Wow. Thank you so much, oh, that's ladies. incredible. I already was a big fan of yours, but this time you have spread wow. sheer magic. I love it. Wow, Needless to say, incredible. this will always be a special and valuable thing in my collection. Just you try to find one. Wow. Wow, that, that's... That's legendary. That's absolutely legendary. Wow. So, for the so Victoria is the head of the the club international. She's an absolute, absolute gem. Um, she is very knowledgeable, very approachable, and yeah. Wow. So they sent. I'm I'm a little bit gobsmacked. So, so obviously that that's about the the old bathing apes. Um, what do you think about? As, as you alluded to, you know, we, we've got a new set of bathing apes coming out very soon. Well, actually, they will have just been released when, when this podcast goes out. You, you know, what, what, what do you think of those? And now you know all this. I think you can see the, the next big thing coming, right? There's a rumor of two of the three upcoming babes will be packed together in a very limited box. Mm-hmm. Help! That's true. Aidez-moi! Ayuto! Hilfe! Ayuda! Sorry. My other languages are not that good, but you get the idea, I hope. Yeah. It's going to be another big quest for me. Yeah. And I really, really, really need to be this piece. I'm sure you're succeeding. So very much looking forward to the new Bay Party specials and everything that will come after them. 
Disgrace will never end. <laughs> and and I think that the thing that the thing that's really interesting about the the new bathing apes obviously is there is the bronze, silver, and gold allegedly that that sits within those, and also there is a London exclusive special bathing ape um, coming out as well. Um, yeah, so that's um, that's really really exciting, really exciting. Well, I'm afraid we're running out of time now for this episode of Second Watch Podcast. Thank you all very much for downloading it. Um, hope you enjoy looking at the photos on the Facebook page. I'm going to look at setting up an Insta account over the next week or so, so please follow that. Um, and if you have anything that you'd like to contribute to the show, then please do so by emailing in on secondwatchpod, which is all one word, at gmail.com. And obviously, you can follow us on Facebook as well. And uh, I'll post up the link for Insta. So all that's really left for me to do is to thank Hans for joining us this week. I really, really appreciate it, Hans. So thank you ever so much for joining in and being part of this podcast. Your knowledge and experience has been, well, and is second to none. And look forward to seeing you at an event soon. Everything comes to an end, and so does this podcast. It's been a pleasure. And I enjoy telling you some of those old stories and also the new stories. For now, thanks for listening up until the end. Be safe and hope to catch you soon. Bye-bye. Yeah, thanks, Hans. I'm thinking about collecting swatches pre-internet. I know we were crazy. So, well, as Hans said, stay safe, stay well. And Carol enjoying swatch and collecting swatch watches. And I hope you enjoy the new bait releases, all four of them. And, uh, yeah, stay safe. But most importantly, keep ticking.